Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Well, good morning. My name is Rick Thompson. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online today. We continue in a series that we've entitled Fight, and more specifically, the title of this morning's message if you can guess by the clip, it was how to fight like a lady. Not over toilet paper. <laughs> but we've been asking the, the question, are we willing to learn to fight for our families rather than fight with our families? And again, that's an important question to ask and to answer because for far too many of us, we have the width down. Come on, somebody. So, so my follow-up question to you is, how's it working for you? How's fighting with your family working for you? And if it's not so good, well, guess what? You're in the right place, tuned into the right channel. For those of us who are watching us online, let me go ahead and ask you to hit subscribe, like, and to share this message. Subscribe, like, and to share this message. Again, we want to welcome you online. Because we've been in the book of Nehemiah. And it's been during a time of extreme distress and unrest for the children of Israel. The temple was destroyed. The walls and the gates of the city were burned and torn down, a condition that, that honestly reflected the physical and emotional state of the people remaining. They also were depressed. They, they, they were discouraged and just as broken as the walls around them. And that's when Nehemiah heard and got a burden and a vision from the Lord, one that would call him to act and inspire those who, who remained to rebuild the walls. Don't just sit there, but rebuild the walls. And they gave him a reason to rebuild the walls. He said, rebuild it for your families, for your husbands, your wives, your children, and their children. The walls were for a specific reason. The walls were for protection. It was to keep those who were inside safe and those who were outside with evil intent out. Folks, I don't know why anyone has a problem with walls and gates and stuff like that. It's biblical. And in this case, it worked. But, but like today, like today, it came with some serious opposition. We, we heard of Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, and Nehemiah uh, knew it was going to be a fight. And so this is why he said in Nehemiah 4.14, he says, After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. How many times did the, does the Bible say not, don't be afraid or fear not, 365 times, one for every day of the year. I didn't do the math on that. Someone else did the math. Remember the Lord tells us why we're not to be afraid, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. How many know uh, there, there are some things worth fighting for, amen? There are some things absolutely worth fighting for. There are some situations, listen to me, that over my cold, dead body is the only appropriate response when your loved ones are concerned. That's the only appropriate response when they're threatened. And most guys kind of intuitively know this. It's what the Apostle Paul meant when he said in Ephesians 5.25, he says, Husbands, love your wives. And he doesn't leave it up to their own imagination as to how they're supposed to love their wives. He says, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. 
Now, how many know that Christ loved the church to death? Come on, somebody. He, I'm talking to somebody out there. And so Christ set the example as to how the husband is to love the wife. And so Nehemiah told them to have a shovel in one hand and a sword in the other. And so last week we talked about some of the tools or weapons that the husband can and should use to fight for his family today as they have an important role to play. Fight from God's strength and not your own. The battle is not just yours. Amen? Fight through a powerful prayer life. We need to seek the Lord in prayer. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. And if you're going to cheat, cheat right. That's a little bit of controversial, but that's to say time goes by quickly. So if you have to cheat, cheat on the amount of time that you're at work or on your personal hobbies and spend that extra time with your family. Amen? Because the kids grow up quick. There were more from last week, but if you missed it, go back and listen to the message. It's worth listening again. But speaking of fighting, I heard a story about a guy named Bob. He was in big trouble. He forgot his wedding anniversary. His wife was angry, to say the least, and she told him, tomorrow morning, I expect to find a gift in the driveway that goes from zero to 200 in six seconds, and it better be there. The next morning, he got up early, and he, he left for work. And when his wife woke up, she looked out the window. And sure enough, there was a box gift wrapped in the middle of the driveway. Confused, the wife put on her robe. She ran out to the driveway. She brought the box back in the house. She opened it up, and she found a brand-new bathroom scale. <laughs> Zero to 200 in six seconds or less. Listen to me. Bob has been missing since Friday. <laughs> this morning, we're talking about how to fight like a lady. Again, not over toilet paper. Come on, somebody. The Bible does lay down some ground rules. If, if you're going to fight, you're going to fight like a lady, you're going to fight for your family. Listen to me. If you're going to do that, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to choose your battles wisely. Choose your battles wisely. Because just like there's some things worth fighting for, there's some things not worth fighting over. Amen? Now, I do realize that as I bring up this subject today, that we're treading where angels fear to go in some of the subject matter I'm going to talk about. But, but I think if, if it's received by the ladies and the men, because I know there's a few guys out there who could beat a dead horse to death. I heard a guy say, my wife and I had a two-hour fight about whether or not we were fighting. Come on, somebody. There are just some people who like to engage in stuff, and in the end, the things don't really don't even matter. And so it's no longer a helpful discussion. It's about constant nagging and complaining. Please don't raise your hands. Put your hands down. Amen? So... So we need to get this right, and let's get into God's Word, and I'm going to ask you in advance of me getting into God's Word, do not shoot the messenger. I am just the messenger, okay? Proverbs 27, 15 and 16 says, a quarrelsome wife is as annoying 
as constant dripping on a rainy day. Stopping her complaints is like trying to stop the wind or trying to hold something with greased hands. It's getting quiet in here. Proverbs 21.9. It's better to live alone in the corner of an addict, addict than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. I don't care how nice your house is. The dude would rather live in the attic. <laughs> Proverbs 21.19. It's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. Again, don't shoot the messenger. And yes, it's in the Bible. Now, I can always hear, say, Pastor Rick, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Do you have any examples? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I came across an article that said five things not worth fighting over in a relationship. It went on to say, it says, when it comes to relationships, there are some issues that are worth fighting over. And some of these include, obviously, cheating, lying, and fundamental differences in life goals. I don't know, like, how many babies you're going to have, the career choices, where you're going to live, where you're going to move. Maybe you should engage on those things. But unfortunately, as you go about your everyday lives as a couple, you will, in no likelihood, encounter numerous opportunities for conflict. Listen, the majority of these, however, will not be worth fighting over. This is especially true if the fight makes a real impact on the quality of your relationship. And so the first thing that's not worth fighting over, I want you to write this down, is don't fight over housework and chores. Don't fight over, I hear someone say, that's all we fight over, housework and chores. The article went on to say, in an, in an ideal world, a woman's house would look like it was straight out of the pages of, of a home magazine. Sometimes the desire for a beautiful home will cause you to demand that your husband do more to help you around the house. And although everybody should do their fair share of work, fighting over this issue can make both of you feel unappreciated and misunderstood. So if you find yourself in this situation, try to accept the fact that your home may never be as perfect as the houses displayed in the magazines and in the media. And how many of you know that the magazines and the media are, are, are airbrushed? The stuff that people are putting on Facebook is, is the highlights of their life. Come on, somebody. It's after they've cleaned the room. I've literally had my wife say, don't put that out there. Look, there's something in the background, <laughs> you know. And so it's highlighted. Remember that your relationship with your partner is worth far more than a clean house. After all, who wants to live in a lovely home with a person they're constantly fighting with? Not me. Come on, somebody. Number two, small or important, don't fight over small or important parenting issues. Whether the kids eat a snack or not before meals may seem like a big deal, it isn't. When I was younger, my mom and I, God bless her, when we were, I was raised in a home where when we sat down to eat, my mom expected us to eat everything that was on the plate. And there were times where the food was just awesome and the, the plate got cleared off. But there, every now and then she'd break out the liver or, 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 or the greens or spinach or something like that. And we just had a hard time eating that stuff, Okay. Uh, but we were still required to eat everything on our plate. In fact, we were told to sit at the table until it was all done. Now, if, uh, in my mind, when I look back in my mind, it felt like we were there for hours. 
And so what we would do is, what I would do is, I would spread out the food on the plate to make it look like, you know, I had mostly done it. You know what I'm saying? Are you picking at it? And then we couldn't just throw the food in the garbage. We had to go to her in the living room to show her that we were done. And when we went to her in the living room to show her that we were done, she would take our fork, and what would she do? She'd scrape it all back in the middle, and she'd say, okay, you're almost done, just eat that. To which I would protest, Mom, I'm not hungry, I don't want it. And then we would hear about the, the, the poor people in Zimbabwe. You know, those poor people that don't have food, and you better appreciate it. And to which I would respond, we can send it to them now if you like. And so that's how I was raised. And so when I grew up and found my lovely bride, and we started having children, well, guess what? I started doing the same thing to my kids. My wife would take the time to cook it. We'd sit down and eat it. And then we had one, one of our kids that would not eat greens for nothing. No, you know what? You put it in front of him, he's not going to eat it. But early on, we had the battles. You're going to sit at the table till it's all done. And then I heard myself saying the same thing. The poor people in Zimbabwe. <laughs> Why? I don't know. And then I would look to my wife for some help. Can you please help me with this? But the truth of the matter is she wasn't raised that way. She didn't care. As long as she didn't have to cook another meal, she was cool. Go make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But I would have this engagement with my kids, engagement with my kids. No, you, and they would, early on, they were sitting there until it was all done. Until finally I got, a, I got a clue and said, you know what? It's not worth the aggravation. Come on, somebody. My, they, they, they're going to grow up, and they're going to be just fine. They're not going to starve, and they're doing just fine today. Amen. So don't fight disputes over that small stuff, uh, the unimportant parenting issues, not worth fighting over. Number three, disputes with the in-laws. Hello. Many people find it difficult to get along with the in-laws no matter how nice you are or how nice they are. Topics on which you disagree are bound to come up from time to time, especially today in today's politically charged environment. Now, truth is, Everyone's got a crazy someone in their family. And as you're thinking about it, and if you're having trouble trying to figure out who it is, it's probably you. <laughs> well, my point is simple. You don't have to live with them. Amen? Well, some of you, maybe you do. <laughs> but for the most part, you don't have to live with them. You don't have to deal with them a couple times a year. And since we've been in this coronavirus, you only have to see them on FaceTime. Right? Every now and then. So it's not worth fighting over issues with your in-laws. Let me give you the fourth one. Hobbies and spending time apart. Now, I'm one of those people that believe that, that uh, even after you're married, you should be allowed to have some what I call me time, as long as it's not all the time, and you're also scheduling we time. Amen? Especially now, you need something to focus on. Everything has come still moving at a snail's pace. And if someone has a hobby that's not hurting anybody, let them do it. Amen? Not worth fighting over. Number five, disagreements about your home. 
The, the article went on to say, fighting over renovations and home decor decisions is simply a waste of time. The color of a room or style of cupboard is not as, as valuable as your relationship. Amen? Every couple has arguments now and then. It's, it's important you recognize that some of these arguments will be over critical issues that need to be resolved. Others just cause unnecessary conflict that may drive a wedge in your relationship. This can be avoided by simply letting the small problems slide. And you may find it helpful to remember these two rules. Rule number one, don't sweat the small stuff. Rule number two, it's all small stuff. Mostly all small stuff, with very few exceptions. These rules will always, almost always apply. Now, someone would say, well, Pastor Rick, well, what if he fill in the blank? Or what if she uh, won't listen or, 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 or this thing is going on for such a long time um, and it's causing damage to our relationship? I feel like that's the only way I can get things done is by harping on them and, and constantly nagging them and constantly being on them. Listen to me. <laughs> listen to me. It's not the only way to get things done. But if you must fight, as we told the guys, if I must engage constantly with my family, why, why don't I fight on, spend some time fighting on my knees? Amen? 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 That's what we told the guys. Commit to prayer as a priority. I heard someone say who was in conflict with her husband over these little decisions that are constantly being made, and, and a lot of it just sounds like small stuff. She said, I am not going to agree to one more thing until you could tell me that you've prayed about that decision you've made. Now, you can tell me you prayed about it, then we can have a discussion. But until you bring it to the Father, I don't want to hear about it. Amen? Amen? Don't make prayer your last choice. Make it your first choice. Amen? And what should you pray about? You should pray about a couple, three things. We should pray for God's plan. Write that down. Rather than our own, how many know that God's got a plan and a purpose and a world that might be a little bit different than yours? Colossians 1, 9 through 11 says, so we have not stopped praying for you. We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then... The way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And so, yes, we should pray because the end result is we will grow. What should we pray about? We should pray for God's wisdom. We should pray for his favor. Deb and I, from, from the moment our children were born, we, were, we, we started praying for their, for their eventual spouse. That would come into their lives some 20, 22 years later, 23 years later. There's a lot of things that we could pray about and ask God to intervene, and he will. God's got a plan, and he has the wisdom to see us through it if we'd ask for it. Number two, pray for God's power. Colossians 1.11 says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious, help me out somebody, what's the word? Strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. 
May you be filled with joy. Listen, there may be things that I alone will have trouble dealing with and you alone will have trouble dealing with, but there's not one thing that I can't do or endure with, without God's help. Come on, somebody. I, I may have a tough time dealing with it, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so we ask God, and it's appropriate to ask him for his, his strength and his power to deal with whatever I'm going through on a day-to-day basis. So pray, pray for God's plan and pray for God's power. Let me give you the third thing. Pray God's promises. Pray God's promises. Where do we find God's promises? In the book, in his book, in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God, help me out somebody, in him are? Yes, yes and in him are? Amen. Amen. That, that, that means he's going to back up whatever he says he's going to do. God will do what he says he's going to do. So all the promises of God, every single one of them are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. Now, of all the weapons that the Apostle Paul speaks of in Ephesians, we know that there's only one offensive weapon, and we're going to talk about that in our next series, and our next we're excited about that. It's called, it's called, it's called God's PPE. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Personal protection equipment. But there's only one offensive weapon, which is the sword of the Spirit, which the Bible calls the Word of God. A few years ago, I asked that question, how big is your sword? And for some of us, the size of our sword is based on the knowledge of the scripture that we have. When the enemy comes at us, we don't, based on what we have in our spirit is what we have to give back. And if I've not spent any time in God's word, listen to me, I don't have any offensive sword. But if I've spent some time in his word, that sword starts to grow and becomes a bigger and bigger offensive weapon against him. Amen. So when the enemy starts to hit you with thoughts like you're alone and all these other things, and then the word of God starts to well up in you that he he shall never leave me, nor shall he forsake me. When when the enemy kicks you down, when you're down, and and you you know the word of God that says uh, the righteous may stumble, but he shall rise up seven times. Come on, somebody. And so when, when the enemy hits you with all these different thoughts, when that's when the word of God starts to rise up in you. And you can start using it as as an offensive weapon and you start praying the promises of God. And you start to pray the promises of God over your your family, over your husbands and over your children and over your own life and over your church. And then you start to sit back and watch the hand of God move as he starts to use you in, in, in a prophetic and offensive manner in the lives of the people around you. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, now do you think all men includes your family? Turn it to and say, of course. As much as it depends on you, well, Pastor Rick, what am I supposed to do? Just your part. Just do your part. Do your role. When, when you are being hit, doesn't mean you have to hit back. That's the Old Testament, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Someone said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, leaves people blind and toothless. <laughs> Jesus says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who despitefully use you. Yeah, Pastor Rick, I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bless them with a brick. No! Spend that time and allow God to step in there. 
and be like David. Say, you know what? You come against me with this and this and this, but I come against you in the name of the Lord our God, the Lord Almighty. I'm going to spend that time in prayer. My, somewhere, somewhere in the Bible it says the weapons of our warfare are our carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Oh, I'm excited about that next series coming up. But we all have a role to play. Ladies, you are not less than. You have a, you have a role to play. The Bible says we are joint heirs with Christ, and without each other we would cease to exist. And it's through the woman that, that God would bring the Savior of the world. Amen? So, ladies, since you have, the, you've been given a, a divine ability to influence those around you, you should use it to point people to Jesus, especially your family, and to showcase what God is doing on the inside of you. Listen to what the Scripture says, how a, a woman should show her beauty. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. New Testament says your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, let me ask you something. Would anyone accuse you of having a gentle and quiet spirit? Does your family say that? Or would your children say that? My mom has a gentle and quiet spirit. Is that the testimony of your husband? It says the outward, your beauty should not just be the braided hair and the makeup and the jewelry. What God considers of great worth is to allow him to develop in you a gentle and quiet spirit. It's not saying he, you have to be quiet, but you allow God to cultivate that in your spirit. Does that make sense? That's what he calls beautiful. And as always, Christ is our example. In Ephesians chapter 5, this is what it says. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life, listen, filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. That means your life will take on that of sacrifice. And he is our example. Folks, if you're going to fight like a lady, ladies in here, if you're going to fight like a lady, you're going to allow yourself to become more like Christ. And you're going to live a life that's filled with love. And then it doesn't, again, the same way it doesn't leave it to the man imagination as to how to define what love is. When he told the man that you are to you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. In the scripture, it tells us what love is because in this world, it's confused. It confuses love with lust and other things and, and things that aren't love at all. But the Bible tells us what love is. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. You can write it down and look it up when you get a chance. It tells us that love is patient. And love is kind. 
It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. This is for everybody. Now watch this. It keeps no records of wrongs. I've heard someone say, my, my wife just doesn't just get his, hysterical when we get in an argument. She gets historical. She starts telling me of everything I've done for the last 20 years. To which I respond, well, that's not love. Not according to the Bible. Come on, somebody. Am I telling the truth? Am I preaching it the way it says it? It says it keeps no records of wrongs. So one of us, we got this box in our, in our, uh, in, in, in the reservoir of our hearts. And we pull it out whenever we get triggered. Oh, yeah, and we start going down that list of the things that were said and done. And, and if you're going to live that way, you're only doing damage to your family. You, you are not fighting like, the, like a lady should fight. You're not fighting like a man should fight, biblically, if you actually love the person. Keeps no records of wrongs. This is love does not delight in evil. He got what he deserved. but rejoices with the truth. Watch this. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always endures or perseveres. This type of love never fails. Come on, somebody. If we could just get on board with this type of love in, the, in our families, in our communities, <laughs> We will not see failure, cannot see failure, because that's the type of love that overcomes all things that are going on in our lives. And so the Bible calls us to be imitators, not of the world, but of Jesus Christ, who gave himself sacrificially for all of us. Does that make sense? So as we come to a close this morning, how are you doing in that area? I always like to give people a little test. Take that chapter, and every place where you see the word love, put your name. And anywhere that, that you're falling short, that's the area where you want to allow the God, to, the Holy Spirit, to minister to your heart. It says, it says love is patient. Is Rick patient? It says, love is kind. Is Rick kind? What, what, was that a kind response that I gave to my wife or my children? It says, love doesn't keep any record of wrong. Am I, am I a record keeper? So rather than letting another message go in one ear and out the other, apply it to your life and allow God to minister to you so that we can become, that we can become the men and women of God that he called us to be. So we can, rather than fighting with our families, start fighting for our families. Amen? As we come to a close, it all starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. That's where it all starts. None of this can happen on our own. I set a standard that can't happen apart from the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You need Jesus 
to live out a love life. Amen? I can't love my wife the way I should without the, the power of the Holy Spirit. She can't love me the way she should without the, with, without the presence of God in, my, in, a, in her life. So we need Jesus. As we come to a close this morning, if you've not yet accepted him, it'll be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. If you have accepted him and this message hits you in a certain area, now is the time to create an altar right where you're at and say, Lord, I need help in this area with my patience, with, with, with kindness, with, with record keeping, whatever it is, I need help in this area. I'm going to ask you to bow their heads and close your eyes. And pray something like this. Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I acknowledge my need for a Savior. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Today, I surrender my life to you. I ask Christ to come into my life, to come into my heart. From this day forward, I choose to follow Jesus. Forgive me for the sins in my life. I confess my faith in him for dying on the cross and three days later rising from the dead. And because he lives, I shall live as well. And if you're here today and again, something said, maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting you of some relationship issues that you're having in your home. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. My Bible says, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me. People may not, but God will. So ask God's forgiveness. And if you've done some damage to your relationship, go to that person and ask their forgiveness as well. And ask God to help you to fight right to start fighting for your family rather than with them. Father, help me right now. Help those who are here and seeking you to follow strong after you, to take up the plow in one and the weapon in the other, sword of the spirit, and to start fighting for their families instead of with them. A special blessing on everyone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.